my friends in my prayer uh, this past week, I was reminded of a classic scene in the film The American President from, uh, I think, 1995. Michael J. Fox is one of the main characters in this movie. Uh, he plays Louis Rothschild, one of the president's assistants for domestic policy, I think, anyway. Uh, they were in the Oval Office, he and the president, and they were in this very heated discussion. Michael J. Fox's character was pressuring the president to make a statement to lead the country. And he says, uh, Fox does, they're so thirsty for it. They're so thirsty for it. Leadership. They're so thirsty for it, they'll crawl through the desert toward a mirage. And when they discover there's no water, they'll drink the sand. What a very dramatic sort of response, music and everything. Michael uh, Douglas's character, the president, Andrew Shepard, he says, people don't drink the sand because they are thirsty. They drink the sand because they don't know the difference. You know, I think there is a lot to ponder uh, in that scene in regards to uh, modern day society, the condition of the human person, the state of our society, so, so many. We're broken. We are uh, weighed down by original and personal sin. We're weighed down sometimes by life, of course. And many seem to simply be crawling through the desert. They're seeking someone. They're seeking someone to lead them. They uh, lead them to the way, and they're seeking comfort. They're seeking the fulfillment of all their desires, yet they're lacking that uh, leadership, some disciple to bring them. They're lacking a truly uh, transformative encounter with Christ. And so they scrape. They scrape and they crawl their way to one mirage after another, one worldly pleasure after another, only to discover that these shiny objects that they were working to obtain and finally did obtain were only a mirage, were only sand. In their desperation, they drink the sand, hoping it'll satisfy their thirst because they don't know the difference. Today we begin a three-week baptismal catechesis, a catechesis that helps us understand the difference between the mirage of worldly sand and the life-giving waters of baptismal grace. For I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all have a little sand drinking in our life journeys, don't we? You know, the readings all have a baptismal significance. They have a lot of symbolism today. That first reading from Exodus, we hear in their thirst for water, the people grumbled against Moses. The Israelites had experienced extraordinary miracles. The ten plagues, of course, they, rec they received the grace of the parting of the Red Sea. Yet now in this waterless desert journey and the life's difficulties, now they lacked faith. They lacked trust in God and were uh, filled with complaining hearts. Well, God didn't desert them in the desert. He performs yet another miracle. God asked Moses to strike the rock, and water sprang forth from it. 
This occurred in a place we hear called Masa and Meribah. Masa, of course, means test or trial. The Israelites failed that trial. Of course, God did not fail them. He did not abandon them in their trial. We hear in the responsorial psalm, uh, it also mentions this desert place, this place in which their thirst was quenched. It calls us to trust in God, to sing joyfully to the Lord, to come into his presence with thanksgiving, to hear his voice, to harden not our hearts when life is difficult, when we are tested, when we are tempted to forget all of God's works, we're called to turn to the rock, the rock of our salvation. Jesus Christ is the rock. In the second reading from Romans, it continues again, this baptismal catechesis. Paul says we have reason for hope and hope we are saved, hope that doesn't disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts, referring, of course, to the love Christ poured out for us on the cross, when blood and water flowed from his pierced side. Then, of course, we have this very familiar and extraordinary gospel. The Samaritan woman, she comes to Jacob's well to draw water. We hear that she's coming at noon. We know that means that she is an outcast. She's rejected by the other women of the, of the town. She's lonely. She's anxious. She is filled with fear. There's so much here to unpack in this gospel. Jesus is overcoming a lot of barriers in this gospel today. The barriers between men and women, of course, but especially the barriers between Jews and Samaritans. They hated each other. They hated each other and avoided all contact with each other. Because in the 8th century before Christ, during the Jewish diaspora, uh, many Jews were carried off to, to Assyria by the Assyrian army. And the Jews, some Jews, those considered less valuable, right, they were left behind. And they began to intermix, intermarry with uh, pagan countries, pagan nations. They adopted some of their pagan practices. The hatred was so deep in the Jews towards Samaritans that they even refused their help in rebuilding the temple. Yet this Samaritan woman, this outcast, she thirsts. She thirsts only to discover that Jesus thirsts for her. You know, this meeting at the well has a beautiful symbolic meaning as well. Throughout the Old Testament, we see one patriarch after another uh, meeting uh, his wife at the well. It's a symbol, the well meetings of marriage. Jesus in this meeting is a symbol of the bridegroom. He is the bridegroom and he wants to marry her because she, the Samaritan woman, is a symbol, she's a foreshadowing of the church. And he says to her, he says to all of us, give me a drink. You know, the only other time in John's gospel Jesus asked for a drink is on his cross when he also said, I thirst. Jesus thirsts for us, thirsted for us on the cross. He thirsts for us today. He thirsts for us every day. Jesus speaks, of course, 
of living water, an expression that naturally has two meanings. The woman thinks temporally, worldly, right? She thinks he is referring to flowing water that is definitely preferred over that stagnant sort of well water. But Jesus, of course, is is speaking of something eternal. He's speaking of that life-giving water of baptismal grace. Note also Jesus' reference to her five husbands. This woman's personal life paralleled the historical experience of the Samaritan people. Five foreign tribes had intermarried with the northern tribes of Israel, and they introduced five male deities into their religion. And these Jews had adopted many of their pagan practices. These idols were eventually addressed as Baal, a Hebrew word meaning Lord, of course, but also a word meaning husband. These five husbands refers to the idols, these false gods that she was worshiping. And he makes her confront her sin at the well, her sinful worship of these false gods. And he helps her discover the difference between the mirage, the sand of the world, and the life-giving waters he was offering her in this encounter, literally himself. Note also the great conversion that occurs through Christ in this encounter. She begins by addressing him as sir, or, you know, master or lord. She builds up uh, ultimately to prophet and then to the Christ. And later the whole town comes out and says he is the savior of the world. Ultimately it says she left her water jar behind. She left the only means of her survival. And she becomes a believer and a missionary. St. Augustine says the water jar represents our fallen desire that draws pleasure from the dark wells of the world, but is never satisfied for long. She left her disordered desires behind. She stopped crawling to the mirage. She discovered the difference between sand that does not satisfy our thirst and the life-giving waters of grace. There certainly are clear references to water and thirst in today's readings, as well as the poor choices we sometimes make trying to satisfy these thirsts. And there are many parallels with our search to quench our bodily thirst and our spiritual journeys to satisfy our innate thirst for God. You know, oftentimes we seek temporal, we seek worldly things to satisfy our thirsts and we don't allow our deeper thirst for God to be quenched. In doing so, we don't allow him, we don't allow his thirst to be satisfied. We thirst for God, my friends. It's built into our nature. But my friends, he also thirsts for us. He thirsts for you and for me. You know, verse four was not read today. You know, I don't know why they should include this important verse. It says, verse 4, he had to pass through Samaria. It uh, was, of course, a direct route. There was some urgency. He, w- he was urgently wanting to meet this woman. He is urgently wanting to meet all of us. There is a divine necessity in that encounter, as there is right here in this Holy Mass. 
Normally, of course, the Jew would go around Samaria, not wanting to encounter them. But his mission is to save all people. And his deep desire, his deep longing, his thirst drove him to that direct route, drove him to that well. He had to travel the unusual route to save her. And he does the same to save us. His path through Samaria saved more than that Samaritan woman. We hear that it saved the whole town. And how did this happen? Well, through her joy. She left that well a different woman because of her encounter with Jesus. He told me everything I have done. He knows me, yet he still loves me. He sees my brokenness. He sees my poor choices, my poor choices over and over again, yet he loves me. He poured forth his love and mercy upon me. This knowledge, this gift had to be shared. And I pray everyone is having a very good Lent, that everyone is seeking to satisfy our thirst through prayer, and that we are helping others to satisfy their thirst for him as well. You know, Lent is, of course, a beautiful time to explore the innermost desires of our hearts, to explore those deep thirsts of ours. It's a time to reflect on our own baptisms, where our thirst was first satisfied, where we first began to come to know by the presence of the Trinity in us the difference between life's mirages and, uh, well, the beautiful grace of baptismal waters. It's a time to reflect on our idols, whatever idols we may have in our lives, these husbands, these false idols that we spend our lives crawling through the desert to obtain. It's a time to reflect on our ongoing need for deeper conversion. And it is a time to reflect upon how God is calling each of us to lead, calling each of us to speak out in a world so increasingly dark, to help God then satisfy someone else's thirst. My friends, I do hope you are having a good Lent. Let us all pray for each other, and may God be praised. Amen.